The Start. On Demand. On Demand. Manitoba's housing market was hot, hot, hot in February. Record-setting, in fact. We check in with the Manitoba Real Estate Association to find out just what is going on. An important announcement today from the province on Youth Hubs supports to help youth with mental health and addictions. One year of Tazzy Reed stuff. Big Daddy Taz is planning a special virtual event tonight after one year of reading to kids on Facebook Live. And since we talked parties on Wednesday for St. Patrick's Day, today we talked hangovers. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is in for Jeff Courier. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, March 18th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabbin for Jeff Courier once again. GMAC, did you stay up to watch the ice hockey match? I did not. No? <laughs> but I did see the first period, which was good enough to see the Jets jump out to a 2-0 lead. In fact, Blake Wheeler scored 50 seconds into the game. I barely got comfortable and I had to jump up and cheer and yell at my television because Blake Wheeler had put the Jets up. One nothing, and then Kyle Connor scored. Montreal battled back a little bit, and I was uh, disappointed to learn at about two forty-five this morning that the Jets, in fact, gave up a late goal. But they did salvage a win, as they tend to do in overtime. Nikolai Ehlers, uh, I'm going to start this hashtag or at least perpetuate it. Uh, best Jet uh, scores in overtime, and the Jets uh, win. 4-3 in overtime, so way to go, boys. Now, you have told me before that you often go to sleep with uh, headphones in as you listen to podcasts or what have you, right? So yes, why don't you just do that with the Jets podcast on CJOB? I did. Really? And I managed to sleep through <laughs> the entire second period and and the third period and overtime. I don't know how. But I did. So when you woke up, did you know already that nope. they, the Jets had won? No, I oh. grabbed my phone and I didn't have my glasses and I'm trying to see the scores. So I'm fumbling for my glasses. So it uh, it was a nice surprise to wake up uh, to a Jets win. Okay, so then if you're, the stuff that you're listening to when you go to bed, if is the is the goal when you listen to just have something to help distract you to fall asleep? Or are you hoping to learn something while you're sleeping? Because clearly you didn't learn anything if you woke up and you still had to <laughs> look at your phone. <laughs> yes. Uh, last up, maybe my theory that I'm learning through osmosis yeah. in the middle of the night isn't actually happening. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> but yes, that is part of the goal, supposedly. We've got Hextall and hockey coming up at 6.55. Sounds of the game at 7.55. Cam Poitras with the keys to the game coming up just after 8.11. When do the Jets play next? They play tonight in Edmonton. And one of the comments uh, from a lot of observers uh, last night, Brett, was the fact that the Jets sort of looked tired after getting out to that good start in the first period. Montreal was sort of all over them in the second and in the third period. So uh, hopefully that's not the case, just a case of Montreal being that very quick team. We discussed it uh, yesterday uh, in the aftermath of Tuesday's loss, the fact that Montreal just seems to give the Jets fits with with their speed for as fast as Winnipeg is. Montreal is just faster in uh, certain aspects of the game. So 
a win is a win, but of course, uh, there will be people breaking this down and going, this is more evidence that the Jets need more help on defense, and I, I'm in that camp. All right, so that game tonight's 8 o'clock puck drop? 8 o'clock, yes, the, the, the dreaded 8 o'clock start. <laughs> In the meantime, yesterday after work, because it was St. Patrick's Day, I, I sort of moved up my weekly visit over to the King's Head. It's just like a five-minute walk from here, and uh, because I wanted to see what was going on, they opened at nine yesterday, and it was it was interesting to see. It wasn't, of course, a, a completely full patio because of physical distancing and whatnot, but I got there just before noon, and there were already. I don't know, probably a dozen people on that patio. And when I left by 2 o'clock, every table was that was open was full. The inside was bustling as much as it as they can. The, the staff, they were run off their feet, and they were very excited. Chris, the owner over at King's Head, I, I know he wouldn't be alone in restaurants yesterday that were busy. And uh, I said to him, like, it's nice to see this place alive. And you could just see the joy on his face and the face of the other staff to have people in their halls again. Yeah, commiseration. We need it. It's an important part of life. Uh, I was listening to uh, Jackie have a conversation with one of her friends last night, one of our friends last night, and just how much we're missing that social interaction. So to get some of that back, and I know a lot of people are yelling at the radio right now, but what about the variants? What about the potential for a spike in cases? Yes, uh, I understand that point of view 100%, but as we mentioned yesterday, Brett, we're trying to find that balance. And it's and the onus, of course, is on us as customers to be responsible. Like they've got uh, sanitizer as soon as you walk in. I know the drill. As soon as I walk in, I grab the sanitizer, I spray my hand. you got to sign yourself in. And uh, I saw... Uh, a couple of young people come in. I guess they were hoping to grab a spot on the patio, but they couldn't, so they ended up sitting inside but at separate tables. So the, it's good to see that the restaurants as well are making sure that they're following the guidelines. Right. If you're, if household only rule inside, outside. You can sit at a table with somebody from outside your household. So uh, I've been enjoying it. And I can plan to continue to enjoy it, especially with uh, the weather, the way it is looking. So, And, uh, of course, we heard yesterday that I know that uh, uh, we spoke to Southside Golf Course on CJOB yesterday. They are opening today, I think, and they're already booked into next week. So the forecast is great. <laughs> Hoping to hear of more golf courses opening. I think Bloomberg opens on Saturday. Everything's coming up Brett right now. Is that safe to say? I mean, like, what do you do in this afternoon? Couch potatoes. After the couch potatoes. Couch potatoes, I got to race home. <laughs> I have to race home today because Zack Snyder's Justice League is now available on Crave for streaming. It's going to air on television on Crave. Uh, I think the first airing is Saturday, but you can watch it right now on Crave through the app, or if you've got a smart TV, you can pull up the app through that and watch it. But it's four hours long. And it takes me a long time to watch anything. Like a one-hour show often takes me over two hours to watch. So <laughs> even if I get home by 2 p.m., I'm going to be hard-pressed to get this thing done tonight. But I have to get it done. I got I to gotta be able to give an update tomorrow morning when we have our Couch Potato segment. I, you know, we do four hours of radio every day, so I'm going to be careful how I tread here. Uh, 
Who has enough ego to suggest that a four-hour movie is something anyone wants to watch? Well, the, the, I think the, the fact that this is being released on HBO Max in the U.S. is what has allowed this to happen. There's no way, if this was a theatrical release, there's no way it would ever get greenlit. Because nobody wants to sit through a four-hour superhero movie in a the theater. Even uh, the Avengers Endgame was well, like three hours long, and that was a, a bit of a slog. It did not have to be that long. So the fact that it's airing on streaming means you can watch it. At, you can watch an hour here, watch an hour there. Or if you want to try to sit through the whole thing, you can do that. And that's what I'm going to try to do today. So we will have an update. I'll let you know tomorrow morning if I succeeded in Flash that mission. speed, sir. I would say Godspeed, but flash speed the, to you, sir. <laughs> as Clay Young would say, the flash. You're, you know that story, right? I No. Should I? Um, oh. How far back does this go? Oh, we're out of time, aren't we? <laughs> I just looked at the clock. <laughs> <laughs> the short version is Clay walks into the news booth. Microphone is still on. There's a flash commercial on TV. And you can hear over top of the commercials on CJOB. Clay in the background saying, the flash. <laughs> <laughs> classic, classic uh, Clay man. I may have heard this story in the past. On the surface, the story of an injury to an NHL goaltender would seem to be a sports story. But in the case of Robin Lehner, it is far more than that. Yeah, Leonard attends goal for the Vegas Golden Knights, Brett. He has been out of the lineup for several weeks due to what is listed officially as an UBI, upper body injury, over the years. Robin Leonard has been extremely open about his battles with his mental health and addictions. In a 2018 interview with The Athletic, he said, I could not stand being alone in my brain. So when he left the Golden Knights lineup a few weeks ago, there were some asking what's really wrong with him. There were some whispers going around the league a little bit that you weren't hurt. Did you hear that? And does it anger you that you didn't get the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, I mean, I did hear it. That's why and the only reason why I'm telling you guys that I had a concussion right now. It's the nature of uh, society. Our friend Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun called Leonard, quote, a damn hero. Tough to disagree with that. I've said this many times before without going on a rant. The stigma around mental health is uh, insane. Everyone deals with it. I don't care what anyone says. Everyone deals with it in some form or another during their life. Right now, during COVID, a lot of people do. But uh, uh, And that's also why the stigma is really hard for the progress of the getting people better because people have to hide it or people, you know, talk and say these things. And uh, I think uh, I should get the benefit of the doubt from it because I've been honest with it. If I would have those issues again, which uh, are not happening, I would be honest about it. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because a mental health problem is no different than a a knee problem or a shoulder problem or something like that. It's treatable, except the stigma makes it harder for people that struggles with mental health uh, health uh, stuff. I mean, a, a person that uh, keep having MCL or ACL surgeries throughout his career still gets a shot, still don't get get looked at the same way as someone that might have have a couple of mental issues that they figure out with a psychiatrist instead of a doctor, uh, get a medicine instead of a surgery. It's way more... Uh, common for a lot of people. It's just people can't say it, and that's unfortunate. But that's why I'm honest with by saying I, I had a concussion. Uh, 
teams usually don't say those things, but I thought it was important to to say that because those rumors that, oh, maybe he's back at rehab or whatnot, you know, but it's what it is. Robin Leonard is a hockey player. Brett speaking in his second language, by the way. He's from Sweden. He has become a voice of reason and beacon of hope for many of us dealing with a mental illness. Now at about 7.50 this morning, an important announcement regarding mental health services in our province right here on The Start. So we are looking forward to sharing that news with you. Yesterday, St. Patrick's Day. Often a big party for many people. We talked about wild parties yesterday on the start. So what often comes after a wild party? The hangover. Am I missing a tooth? Oh. <laughs> Whose baby is that? Check its collar or something. I looked everywhere. Nobody's seen Doug. I don't think I've ever been this hungover. What's on your arm? You were in the hospital last night. <laughs> <laughs> So we need you to tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza, good hangover food, about a nasty hangover. And, you know, what did you have to suffer through and how did you combat it? And did you have to just soldier on? Were you able to hunker down? Because sometimes you can't just stay home and and feel like you're going to die. Sometimes you got to get up and take on that world. But when you're hungover, not so much fun. So we've got Greg Mackling with us. We've got Cam Poitras, Jeff Forte. Jeff Braun had to take a seat on the bench. He is a busy guy this morning, he says. So unfortunately can't join us. But Cam Poitras, let's start with you, sir. Uh, well, <laughs> when I was living in Calgary, I was living in an apartment uh, downtown in the Beltline there. And, uh, uh, you know, the best part about an apartment I found was that you had pretty much endless hot water and... <laughs> So I would just uh, after one of the nights I'd like I'd like basically just lie in my tub for like two hours until my fingers got wrinkly and I would just lie there and just let the hot water just like envelop my whole entire body and just lie there and just like zone out um, like I I think it was like two and a half hours I I took like a, that long of a shower one time because it was out. just no I'm dead serious it was that bad and so like and then I got out of it I says well I still feel just as bad as I did before. And then, you know, you go and you get the fast food and that doesn't sit well. So you got to that finds its way out of your body. And I've had. Yeah, it's it finds its way out of your body. <laughs> Is that a polite way of saying you were sick? Well, it's several ways. I mean, I don't want to go into details, but <laughs> oh, that is dynamite. Uh, Jeff Forte, what about you? Uh, I was about 18 years old. I was working at Little Caesars Pizza and uh it was a holiday Monday, and I was, uh, me and my friends went hard the night before. <laughs> holiday Monday, and I had to work. So I go into work and uh, just wasn't feeling it. Wasn't feeling it at all. And uh, my buddy Morgan was working with me. It was just the two of us. Pretty slow day, or I think it was slow. How do I know? Because I end up uh, <laughs> I, I end up going to the office, and I slept under the desk <laughs> with my jacket as a blanket, my arm as a pillow, and I stayed there for six hours. Uh the end of my shift, I uh, took my time card. I scratched out where I punched in because I did not deserve any pay that day. Oh, <laughs> especially, especially on a holiday, we're getting paid time and a half. 
Oh, so, uh, man. Morgan, thank you for saving my butt that day. Honest Forche. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, Je- Greg Mackling, what about you? Can I just say I would hire Jeff Forche for any business I ever started. He could work for me anytime. Cam, not that you couldn't, but Jeff Forche, you can work for me anytime <laughs> with a work ethic like that <clears throat> and honesty like that. Um, I think I may have told this story before, but it is really the only hangover story that I would ever tell it it goes back to 1989, 1990. <laughs> That's really good when you can't even remember the year, let alone the day. <laughs> but it was the Run Run Rudolph Commerce Social at the International Inn. That was before they moved it to the convention center. It was a Thursday night. And to say that we tied one on as a group would be a vast understatement. I had to work the next day at 9 o'clock in the morning at the world-famous Chi-Chi's at Polo Park. I had a group of school kids come in. I ran something called Taco Tours back in the day. They were from a daycare center, so they were very quiet uh, very early in the morning as we taught them about Mexico and the sandwich of Mexico, the taco, and we (laughs) ate tacos and yelled and screamed and celebrated Mexico. And then I worked one of the longest shifts I'd ever worked in my life straight through until about six o'clock in the afternoon, including serving 15 of the 30 people I was at the social with the night before. They'd all come in to watch me work because they could not believe that I was actually there. Chi-Chi's had a lunch buffet at the time, which was amazing hangover food. I never made more money in one shift than I did that day. I don't know how I even got out of bed, uh, but uh, that's uh, the only hangover story I've ever really told. <laughs> the and sandwich of Mexico. The, san- the taco is the <laughs> sandwich of Mexico. Yes. <laughs> Here's a, great, here's a great text message at 204-780-6868. My nastiest hangover involved me eating a whole bag of red licorice at the movies and then going to the bar and doing tequila shots all night. I woke up and I didn't make it to the, the bathroom. And you can just imagine a red jelly-like substance that, uh, shall we say, left my body, as Cam put it. Uh, it was everywhere in the bedroom and... Um, at one point, I got up and aimed behind my headboard. Don't ask. So, <laughs> I think. <we'll, laughs> so, thanks for that. I think that that'll probably be the last one that we describe that kind of stuff. It is Thursday after seven thirty, which means I was born in a small town and I live in a small town. Small Town Salute, brought to you by Credit Aid. Helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Now, in a conversation we had last week with the owner of Bistro on Notre Dame, Dean Herkert, he mentioned that he had done all he could to source and purchase everything that he needed locally. And he said his chairs were from Prairie Barnwood in Morden. And I immediately went to their website to find some magnificent pieces, beautiful website, beautiful stuff, and what we thought would make for an excellent small town salute subject. So here we are. Blaine Whiten is owner of Prairie Barnwood, and we say good morning to him. How are you, Blaine? Hey, good. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm good. So we have a question we usually start off with. How long have you lived in Morden, or have you always lived there? 
Well, I moved here, uh, I guess, 21 years ago now. I, I grew up in Sherwood Park, Alberta, and uh, met, a, met a pretty girl that was from Morden, and um, we ended up moving here. It's uh, typically love or money that brings folks from Alberta to Manitoba. So maybe a little bit of both here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a little bit of both. (laughs) So Prairie Barnwood, this business, how did it start? Well, growing up in uh, in Sherwood Park, my folks owned an antique store in, uh, in the Edmonton area. And so when I came out to Manitoba to uh, meet my wife's family, I ended up seeing that there was uh, an antique auction at Wachiniak Auction on Princess in Winnipeg. So I went up to the auction and I ended up driving out here every month uh, to the antique auction. And so it was around Christmas time. My wife and I were leaving her family's house here in Morden. And uh, I looked at her and said, hey, I'm out here every month. Why don't we move to move to Morden? It looked like a great place to raise a family. And so we moved out here about six months later. And I started buying antiques and sending them home to uh, my folks' place in Edmonton. And it just kind of developed from there. I did that for about 10 years. And uh, 12 years ago, my wife and kids and I were on a vacation down to Toronto. And as we were driving through Wisconsin, um, the family was sleeping in the car. And I had a thought, why, why not rip down a barn? And so I knew how to build old furniture. I love the old wood in barns. And so while we were on vacation there, I lined up a barn here in southern Manitoba came home and uh, ripped it down. And as we were ripping it down, some of the, the town people in the small town we were ripping it down were kind of laughing at me. I only had one employee at the time, and uh, they were wondering what we were going to do with this old wood. And so we brought it back to my shop and built a small hall table. And my landlord at the time said, hey, you should build a dining table. So I built a dining table. And he saw that, and he says, you should build a catalog of furniture. So I, I did. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I knew how old stuff was built, and uh, I loved the character, the knot holes, and, and the character in Barnwood. And so I built furniture the only way I knew how, and that was the way 100-year-old furniture was made. What? And, uh, yeah, that was 12 years ago. What a wonderful story, Blaine. I I knew it was going to be terrific. I didn't think it would be so fascinating. Those thoughts that we have when we're driving on the the freeways and the highways of the United States, those can be dangerous places. But it sounds as though and feels as though your landlord was a little bit of a Nostradamus here because Barnwood is like uh, one of the hottest commodities on the market right now. Yeah, it was crazy. It was was a bit before its time kind of thing. And and uh, I, I guess, uh, yeah, it was a good idea and kind of laid, laid claim of it and, uh, and ran with it. And so, it, it, I mean, it came with its own challenges, but, uh, you know, through the last 12 years, we've definitely learned how to work with it. And we, we built a, a shop here in town about three years ago, and um, we have six, and, six full-time employees and, yeah, have a... I guess it's about a 2,000-square-foot studio to show customers the quality and craftsmanship to the furniture that they're going to be having created for them. And, and uh, so it's been a, been a fun journey, that's for sure. <laughs>
I love going out to Morden. Um, so, I mean, I, of course, I always go whenever I go there. It's for golf over at Minnewasta, but it is a <laughs> lovely place. It's one of the reasons why I just didn't, why I look forward to it every time. I love the drive into Morden, and I, lo- I really should plan so that I give myself an extra half hour just to maybe wander around a little bit before I head over to the golf course. But what do you love living about your part of the province? Oh, man. I, I uh, you know, even on the drive to work this morning, I, I was thinking about that and it's just amazing to me how, you know, the person that you're working with or the person you're doing business with or the person that, you know, owns the business next to you, you're going to be sitting at them, sitting with them at, uh, you know, your kid's hockey game or, or maybe they're your kid's teacher or, you know, you see them every morning when you go and buy your cup of coffee or, you know, like you said, there's a beautiful golf course and in the new clubhouse, you can also see Prairie Barnwood furniture there too. And uh, there's, uh, you know, this winter we would go quadding on the lake and there was probably 20 or 30 fishing shacks out there. And then in the summer they allow five boats on the water and you can go counterclockwise. And there's just so many beautiful things about living in Morden and this, this part of this, the uh, province. It's, uh, I'd say it's the community of people that I love and, and the landscape of Morden is beautiful in the climate. So I, I love it here. It's a beautiful place. Uh, my boys and I have uh, visited a couple times. PrairieBarnwood.com. I think you might be expecting an order from me for a couple of things as well, if uh, that's okay, Blaine. Uh, fabulous stuff. Thanks for this insight and uh, inside look into how you got into business and so glad you, you chose to, to become a Manitoban. Thanks for this and we'll catch up with you again. Well, thank you very much, guys, and and come for a walk in Morden. It's definitely worth the trip down. Blaine Whiten is the owner of Prairie Barnwood, joining us live on 680 CJOB for our small town salute. you got to go to this website and look at this stuff. It is amazing. Mackling and McGarry, McNabbin for Courier. Mental wellness awareness by the, has been a priority for Greg and I since we started working together on air almost five years ago. We have been encouraged to see the different initiatives and discussions which happen on a regular basis, encouraged by the the pace that the stigma over mental illness seems to have slowed. Yeah, and one of the drums I've been beating loudest has to do with resources. This morning, the province of Manitoba is announcing the creation of some much-needed outreach opportunities for the youth of our province. Audrey Gordon is Minister for Mental Health, Wellness, and Recovery. Good morning, Minister Gordon. We appreciate you taking some time, and this is an exciting announcement. We'll get to that in a minute, but maybe just a brief uh, back and forth on just this notion that that when individuals decide today is the day I am strong enough to ask for help, there needs to be resources at the other end of that phone call, that email, or that 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 door that they approach. What's your what's your feeling on that? So my, my feeling on that is that uh, we certainly want to create awareness about the supports that are available, not just to young people, but to um, to individuals of all ages. But when we focus on, on young people that are experiencing that moment of crisis, um, there, there are supports such as the Manitoba Suicide Prevention and Support Line, uh, the Kids' Health Phone. And they, you know, young people like to text so they can text, connect to get immediate support from a crisis responder through the crisis text line. But what I want them to know today is that our government has partnered with 
a philanthropic group of of organizations to offer them five new youth hubs where they can walk in and get the support they need on the spot under one roof. And so I'm so pleased to be able to bring these supports right into their communities and look forward to the great work that will be done by the organizations leading these five new youth hubs. When will these youth hubs be available or accessible? Well, we just we just told the, the proponents yesterday, so we hope to start working with them very soon to have those services available. Now, some of these organizations uh, already exist. So, for example, in the Point Douglas neighborhood, uh, the youth hub it will be Indigenous-led and serving the Centennial and Point Douglas areas, and it will be led by Kami Kamichik in Winnipeg. So that organization is already up and running, and we are going to enhance their ability to support young people in, in the area. So we need to create youth advisory tables at each youth hub and uh, get, get the work started as soon as possible. You're also uh, announcing either the establishment or just the extension of services in Selkirk, also in Brandon, and uh, three parts of the city of Winnipeg, and and one of which you just sort of outlined there. Uh, Minister Gordon, when the province established rapid access addiction uh, medicine clinics, the RAM clinics back in 2018, the hours of operation were limited at first. Are, Are these hubs going to be accessible when they're needed? So that is the goal. So the, as I mentioned before, these organizations already exist and and some are providing a level of 24-7 support. We want to ensure that they provide the needed supports that young people are, are, are require at the time when they do. And that's why the new youth hubs will be designed for and with youth. So talking to them about what makes sense in terms of the hours of operation. So you may not see each youth hub operating at the same time periods and providing services because it's going to be very much geared to the community's needs and the young people's needs and what time do they need those supports. Audrey Gordon is Minister for Mental Health, Wellness and Recovery. Minister Gordon, thank you so much for the time. We very much appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Stay safe. We want to talk about something that started one year ago. And I remember, Greg, I guess it was about a year ago where everything shut down. Everybody was at home. I, it was where I started seeing people wearing masks. It felt like the apocalypse had arrived. It was just one of the weirdest things, seeing people walking down the street wearing masks. You could shoot a cannon down the street in many cases and not hit a car. Like I remember looking down Osborne and not seeing a single car in the middle of the day yep. and thinking, what is happening here. And one of the things that happened right around this time last year is everybody started doing live stuff on social media, whether it was Facebook or Instagram. Uh, you could see find all kinds of live entertainment and stay connected to the people you cared about in a new way. Well, and let's face it, for some entertainers, most of them, without gatherings, without face-to-face meetings, without corporate events, without events at... The Playhouse Theatre, at Rumors Comedy Club, at Bell MTS Place, Burton Cummings Theatre, etc. The list goes on and on. They can't make a living. One of those individuals who got caught up in that, our good friend Big Daddy Taz. Good morning, Tazzy. 
Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing great, and it's great to hear your voice. It's great to hear you sounding so so happy 365 days later. Did you ever imagine that you'd be doing this reading online for this no, long? No, you know what? You know what? And I was, I was getting a, a little anxious here because uh, Brett kept saying, oh, well, more on this and more on that. And I heard the word moron. I thought you were introducing it. So that's perfect. <laughs> that's awesome. So... Uh, <laughs> you know what sometimes your jokes are just so good there, there's really no answer to them we're not as agile in the brain as you are with stuff like that so maybe just before before we talk about what you have been doing and and what uh what you've been getting out of that just explain to folks uh how difficult it's been over the last 12 months for for you as a as a professional well, as any as as any entertainer, right? We 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 rely on the crowds. We rely we rely on people hiring us to entertain the crowds. And and unfortunately, entertainers were pretty much the first to uh, get fired, and the last going to be to get hired. I guess, really, to be honest with you. And uh, it was very difficult to uh, watch within a course of a week or two to watch a whole year, maybe two years worth of work uh, and dreams sort of flit away. It was very incredibly hard for me Wait. and other entertainers too. I mean, it's not just me. But uh, I can only tell you how I was feeling. Have any of the government supports been applicable to you? Have you been able to take advantage of that stuff? Well, yeah, there was there was uh, there was a couple of arts uh, arts uh, grants that were available, but unfortunately, uh, comedians are not considered artists in the eyes of the uh, in the federal government. So we couldn't really apply for any of that. You know, a poet is, and a writer is, and an actor is, and a songwriter is, and a dancer is, and you look at uh, you put all of those together, and you, you sort of get a comedian, right? I mean, we write, we act, we dance on the stage, we do things, but uh, we're trying to change that as well. So, well, your parents warned you, wasn't a real job. They told you oh, that yeah, a long exactly. time ago. This is yeah, this has been this has been thirty years of not having a real job. <laughs> <laughs> so, Taz, everything uh, I got kicked out of school for, I, I am getting paid to talk about now. So that's awesome. Hey, you and I are in the same boat, brother. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we can sit down and compare report cards one day. Um, you've been for a long time, obviously a comedian. You've been very open with your battles with your own mental health issues. Uh, you were probably still fast asleep, uh, or maybe you hadn't gone to bed yet. I don't know, depending on the day. But earlier we played a clip from Robin Leonard, the NHL goaltender with the Vegas Golden Knights, who's been very open about his mental health battles, his battles with addictions. And he suffered a concussion a few weeks ago. And the murmur and the rumor was starting to go around the league and between fans and, and some in the media. Is there more to what's going on with Robin Leonard? And it got to the point where yesterday he had to come out and do what most hockey players don't do and say, yes, I had a concussion. No, I'm not dealing with a mental breakdown or a, a recurrence of addiction and that sort of thing. So uh, he's a hero for me, but you've been a hero on that front for a long time, an advocate for children's mental health and just talking about this so that, that, that we can normalize the conversations around mental health. Well, the more we talk about it, the less it becomes a mystery, right? I mean, I'm all about as a, as a mental health keynote speaker, which I've been doing for 25 years as well, I, I, my job in my brain is to talk myself out of a job so that you never have to hear the words, uh, you know, you're so brave for sharing your story because it's just a story, right? It's just what it is. And the people accept it and people understand it. The, the only silver lining to COVID is that everybody's going to understand what, how mental health can affect somebody. 
that's going to be the other, you know, that's going to be one of the silver linings for sure. And and I'll, I'm going to talk about mental health until they they gag me, right? Or they're or they're shoveling dirt on me because there's there's uh, it's so important. I suffered for a long time at my own. Um, from my own brain, but that also the, you know, I, I suffered at the opinions of others, and I refuse to do that anymore. So Big Daddy Taz, one year ago today, you started reading, reading stuff online. I think you, was it Facebook where you started that? Yeah, well, it's, it's always been Facebook Live. And so what happened was uh, I, I had lost all my going to schools and, and talking about good mental health to the students and stuff. So I said to my wife, Miss Christy, and we my son was there, and we just said, uh, Hey, you know what? Maybe I should just read online, uh, sort of half joke. And, and then they said, yeah. So I put it out there and there was a huge response and it really hasn't stopped. I really thought it was going to be, oh, you know, I'll do this for a couple of weeks till this pandemic blows over. Right. And uh, yeah. So it's, uh, here we are a year later. Pal. So uh, I, I get a sense you're channeling your inner Alec Baldwin with your ABK, always be kind. We quote Glengarry Glenn Ross every once in a while here, always be closing, A, always B, B, C, closing. ABK, <laughs> always be kind to others and ourselves. I think it's a terrific message. Well, that's it's, it's, it's incredibly important, right? We, we I tell the kids every day it's very easy to be uh, kind to people that are being kind to you. But it's, it's, it, the rub is that you, you, sometimes you react before your heart can act. And so you find yourself being rude to other people. So try always to be as kind as possible. And if you're not, re, you know, apologize and, and try again. And, that, and that's it. And we forget to be kind to ourselves, you know. Uh, I said that one day online uh, to the kids when I realized I wasn't being very kind to myself. I was blaming myself for, you know, the, our, financial, our financial woes and, and everything that was happening to uh, to us, and uh, until we be scheme up that, Dad, you realize this is happening to you, but not because of you, right? So give yourself a break. Now, the kids, I'm sure, have benefited from you reading to them for the last year, but how have you benefited? What's been the takeaway for you? Well, you know what? To be blunt, it was some days it was the only reason I wanted to get out of bed. Uh, this has been the hardest for me for the last 15 years, mental health-wise, and, and uh, so... Uh, there were days where I would just sort of laze around until, you know, because I used to read at 10.30 in the morning and 7.30 at night. And uh, then when school started, I just, you know, just went to the 7.30 in the evening. But the 10.30, I knew I had to be up at 10.30 because I had people uh, wanting for me to read to them. And uh, it, was, uh, it was, it gave me a sense of purpose, right, Brett? It gave me a sense of a purpose, uh, something to do and a stage to stand on. And it made me feel um, useful. Therapy of sorts? Pardon me, sir? Therapy of sorts? Yes, very much so. Therapy of sorts. That's not, I, I, I didn't hear what, I, I, I was like, what does cerebrum sorts mean? <laughs> um, cerebrum sorts? Yes, of course, cerebrum sorts. That's the most important thing to have is cerebrum sorts. All right, I'll speak uh, up. I'll speak up henceforth. I, I was trying to, you know, set set a mood here and and and, and sound emp- no, empathetic to you. <laughs> oh, it's okay. You know what? My my job. You know, people say, "Well, as a comedian, how dare you talk about mental health in the way that you do?" And it's not that I'm making fun of it. Here's what it is: I try to find the joy. See, my my purpose on this planet is to find the joy. In, 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 the, in the muck and find the light and the darkness and, and show you that it's there. That's what I do. And find the humor in every situation that I can in the in in, in most respectful way that I, that I, that I can. Sometimes, yes, I, I joke at the most inappropriate times. It's because it makes me feel uh, better than going down a dark path. 
So I'm looking at your website right now, BigDaddyTaz.com. It looks like you can go back and watch past readings on the website. But what is happening tonight? You've got something special happening tonight. I do. It is the first Tazzy Read Stuff episode that's going to be broadcast on Zoom. So the first 100 people uh, can come join me on Zoom, and the rest they can uh, watch on Facebook uh, Live or YouTube Live. It'll be simulcast as well. And all the details are on BigDaddyTaz with two Zs.com. Uh, uh, and the, the Zoom link is there, and everybody's like, don't put the Zoom link in. Everybody might use it. Good. Use it. Come and have some fun. Uh, we're starting earlier. Normally it's at 7.30. Tonight we're starting at 6.30 so that the youngins can watch it a little bit and, and have a little bit more fun before it's time for bed. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, there are there are 300-plus episodes on YouTube under Tazzy Reads, hashtag Tazzy Reads. And, um, yeah, it's been it's been a journey. And somebody asked me, uh, one of my friends said, oh, so is this it? I'm like, no, no, I'll keep reading until, uh, you know, they don't want me to anymore. I'm probably a couple of weeks past that. <laughs> well, I love to read month is one of my favorite months. I know Brett and I are both uh, missing the opportunity to go out into the schools. I've have done one or two online readings. Taz, thanks for all that you do. Thanks for sharing a laugh with us. But most of all, thanks for being an inspiration. I, I love you, man. I love you too, pal. And you know what? Uh, I uh, I adore both of you and all all three of you. Every time I have something, you guys uh, are there saying, yep, yep, come on, promote it, promote it, promote it. And I appreciate that much because uh, not only does it help the charity that I'm talking about or the, the event that I'm doing, but it makes me feel uh, feel loved as well. And lots of love to both of you. And please, if anybody out there is, is struggling, don't, don't, be, don't be silent. And if you see somebody that is, is struggling, don't take... You know, don't take the road of, well, you know, I don't want to get involved because, you know what, I'm going to say this and I wish I didn't know this. Uh, even if they get mad at you, even if your friend gets uh, upset and, and pushes you away, push push a little bit harder because it's way better to lose a friendship than a friend. And that's, uh, that's where I'll leave that thought. Big Daddy Taz joining us live on CJOB. Taz, thank you very much for this. The website is BigDaddyTaz.com. Once again, tonight's special interactive Zoom show to celebrate one year of Tazzy Reads stuff. Starts at 6.30, up to 100 people on Zoom. I just want to quickly read Jake's text. Speaking of nasty hangovers... My mother, quite the handy woman. While I was growing up, she always had a project on the go. But to my surprise, the day after my 18th birthday party, Mm. my mom woke me up at 8 a.m. to start demolition of the kitchen. I was up until 5.30 that morning, and I had just had about 16 to 18 beers, and I haven't really drank since. Holy smokes. I I would suspect that your mom... That was very well planned, very well executed, apparently. Uh, The lesson was learned very early, so uh, kudos to your mom. Yeah. Well done. She not only demolished the kitchen, but also demolished his desire to keep drinking. (laughs) So got to find out how long ago that was, Jake. So thanks for that text. So we'll give that away in our next segment. But right now, we mentioned this an hour ago. The Manitoba real estate market is seeing an unprecedented surge. In fact, February, Brett, was the busiest February ever in our province. And it seems like prices are rising. And if it seems like it is to you, you'd be correct. MREA 2021 President Stuart Elston joins us now on the start. Good morning, Stuart. Good morning. 
startling numbers in some cases here, Stuart. A little bit of a pun in the honor of Loren McNabb's absence. A year-over-year increase in price of 14.5%. Is that unheard of in this part of the world? I would say that's pretty much unprecedented. Um, you go Going back 15, 20 years even, when we had our banner years, so to speak, between 2003 and 2004 up till 2010, 11, we were seeing 10% increases in those years. And, and that was pretty significant for the Winnipeg and the Manitoba market. Now we're seeing 14.5. So I, I'd say, yeah, that's uncharted territory. Now, for as few properties as there seem to be on the market, that did not prevent the Manitoba market from smashing the record of the number of homes sold in the month of February. No, but there's definitely uh, definitely a shortage of listings, which is um, which is causing, of course, the uh, the the bidding wars, if you will, the multiple offers. And uh, we're hoping to see that start to turn around as the pandemic begins to ease. And through most of last year, we saw um, our listings, our number of listings were way down month to month. And uh, in February, for the first time, we've seen them draw almost even. Um, So that's very positive. And we're hoping that as the pandemic progresses and more people get vaccinated, more and more Manitobans will be comfortable with listing their homes. Uh, Stuart, I have to say, like, as a homeowner myself, this type of news makes me mostly happy. I think it's a good indication of consumer confidence in our economy and where we live. I think it's a strong endorsement for Manitoba, for Winnipeg as a place to be and a place to do business and to, to, you know, to set our roots down. But I also know it causes stress for many. There, There is a downside to this. There is. If if you're a buyer, and, and a lot of the buyers out there are first-time buyers, and um, you know, in the in the most competitive price ranges, in in and around the three hundred thousand dollar mark, uh, it's very competitive, and it's very difficult for buyers. Uh, as realtors, we don't like to see, uh, we really don't like to see a market get this overheated, so to speak, because there's so many people who lose out every time a house comes up for sale. It's great for the seller when we're always happy for the sellers getting a premium price for their home. But when you've got 20 offers on a given property and 19 of those people walk away disappointed, we certainly don't like to see that. Well, and also could it create a situation with the, the price going up 14.5%? Is it, this a situation where it could be just straight up pricing some people out of the market? It, no question, and and it's. I think it's caused people to have to rethink and relook at what what they're looking to buy. Um, maybe looking at at a broader range of neighborhoods. Maybe looking in a lower price point, knowing that the price may be bid up. It's definitely causing some stress for buyers. There's no two ways about it. What about cottage listings? Are they immune to this phenomenon? I'm sorry, what was the question? Cottage listings, are they immune to this? Uh, no, you phenomenon? know what, cottage listings, uh, uh, the the feeling is, is they're selling just as well as they were last year. We've changed how we, um, how we tabulate our results in terms of cottage and re- resort properties this year. So it's, I, I don't really have a read on that right now. Probably we won't have that until the first quarter. But I can tell you that vacant lots in Manitoba are up 116% for January and February over last year. And we know a lot of those are in cottage country. So 
there's a lot of activity out there. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, they're looking at the build option. We heard from uh, Lanny McInnes uh, yesterday and been hearing in the news that uh, they're building about 100 houses a month in Winnipeg right now, which is gangbusters for that industry. Uh, There's at least, uh, we were having this discussion in my house last night when it comes to, you know, the idea of building. At least you know what the price is going to be when you decide to build. Yes, that's true. They're actually running into some multiple offer situations too. Really, I, I ran into it myself with a new builder with a client. Uh, it's they're they're experiencing very high demand as well. Wow, that is uh, something else. Uh, that's probably all the time we have uh, for this discussion right now, Stuart. But we will be in touch and keep an eye on this. Thanks for sharing your time with us and this information. We appreciate it very much. Sure. Thanks very much. Today we're asking you at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza to tell us about a nasty hangover. This is the runner-up from Steve. Around the turn of the century, I was working in a packing house. Lots of physical work. As a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, I was able to fill in for the many positions around the plant, and this particular week, I found myself on the docks loading product into the trucks. We would start at 5 a.m. and work until 1.30 p.m. Occasionally, we would work overtime on Saturday, and this was one of those weeks. For the Saturday shift, the guys would want to get out a bit earlier to enjoy the Saturday, so we would start at 4 a.m. instead of the normal 5 a.m., and this is where things took a turn for the worst. The Friday night came, and I ended up with a bunch of buddies at Buffalo. Buffalo Bills in Transcona. I'm sure we made a visit to the Oak as well that night and may have even crossed paths unknowingly with McGarry that night. Entirely possible. (laughs) Naturally, we closed the bar down and I found myself drunk, staring down a shift on the loading dock starting in less than two hours. My sober buddy took us to McDonald's at Club Regent as it was the only thing open in the days before 24-hour drive throughs Could have also gone to Burger King. They were open till 3. We had a number of burgers, and he dropped me off at work around 3 a.m. So the shift proceeds without much issue to start. First couple hours are great. Felt no pain. But then it hit me. I ran to the washroom a number of times over the next three hours for, shall we say, various reasons. It was around 10 a.m., though, where I started to have really itchy eyes, and I was having trouble seeing. By the end of the shift, my eyes were completely bloodshot and goopy, so I figured it was because I just had no sleep and was probably still drunk. I called my mom to pick me up. She quickly informed me that I probably had pink eye. Oh, my word. So we went to the doctor. Sure enough, that's what it was. So my just one beer turned into a full-blown drunk, a horribly hungover overtime shift in a packing house, and a pink eye diagnosis less than 16 hours later. So listen up, kids. <laughs> Don't get drunk because you'll get pink eye. Oh, That's my Steve. word. Steve, I have to tell you, under normal circumstances, that would have won the competition, yeah. hands down. But our friend Henry uh, one-ups you on this one. I have had me- multiple hangovers, but this one I was glad to have had boarded a plane in Puerto Rico after drinking all night. No sleep. Me and my buddy passed out as soon as we hit the seats. I was the first to wake up as we were landing. Thought it was strange to see houses as as we were close to the ground. 
hit the runway in Miami, lined with fire trucks at a very high speed. People clapped, waking up my buddy who grumbled at the noise. The flight attendant explained how we'd dumped fuel over the ocean and landed with no hydraulics. Wow. Somehow we didn't mind feel cra- feeling crappy having avoided that stressful situation entirely. <laughs> Henry, you get a pizza for that. So they're in this harrowing situation in the sky. They're dumping fuel over the ocean. Oblivious to it all. <laughs> but the both of them are so hungover, they slept through the whole thing. What a gift. <laughs> alcohol, the gift that keeps on giving. What does Homer say? To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all life's problems. <sighs> Gary with an interesting suggestion at 204-780-6868. Now that golf season has arrived for some of us, not all, sadly, what if you did a morning question about our crazy addiction? What is the one hole on any course in Manitoba which is your favorite or the one that you like but beats you up? <laughs> uh, so have you, got, have you got one in mind already? Uh, I've got like dozens. <laughs> Could you create a, an entire golf course? <laughs> of of holes that give you problems, like just pick and choose from different courses and put together eighteen holes. Yeah, it's called Kingswood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go there what nine times a week. Yeah, what's the deal with that? And I wonder why sometimes because it beats me up every time. Pretty much every course beats me up. But GMAC, I love it. And as we heard in Jeff Braun's newscast. Southside is the phone is ringing off the hook. They were the first ones to pull the trigger, I think, and open. So we're going to bring someone on to talk about an exciting time for many Manitobans. Yeah, Kevin O'Donovan is with the National Golf Course Owners Association, uh, Canada, and the Winnipeg Golf Expo. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, Greg. Good morning. Hey, Brad. How are you? Doing all right, buddy. How are you? Very well, thank you. This is uh, kind of crazy times. I know uh, when you say that, people think of COVID immediately, but we were just having a conversation about uh, the the crazy real estate market in Winnipeg right now and right across the province. How about this golf situation? How unusual is it to open this early? Is 2012 the last time you were open this early? You know what? I mean, each year is different. Each year is unique. And certainly in the midst of a pandemic, you wouldn't expect anything other than abnormal, I think is the easiest way to put it. You know, you go back over the years, whether it be 2012 or, you know, in the late 1990s, uh, you've had years from time to time that have been strange in the sense of strange with unseasonable weather early. Uh, you also had years like last year where, where the weather was not really pleasant through the month of April uh, and in the midst of the rollout of, of the phase one of COVID-19, opening day in Manitoba last year was May the 4th and probably there was about three or four decent days prior to May the 4th last year that you'd ever consider going out and playing. So again, it's just an anomaly and, and probably very fitting uh, as we find Manitobans in, in the realm of dealing with, with COVID-19 and just you never know what you, what you can expect in a given year. And this spring has been very unseasonably warm combined with a very light snowfall and snow cover. 
Uh, and as a result, golf courses are looking at uh, getting into business, as I heard Tracy with her with her on-hold story. And literally, I think golf courses are going to find that uh, moving forward without question. Now, we know that Southside is opening as of today. I'm told that Bloomberg opening this weekend. We saw this morning that Shiloh is opening this weekend. I'm hearing rumblings of other courses getting ready to pull the trigger. You got any clues? Can you tell us? You know, I think... I, I think a lot of courses around the province, uh, you know, the, the conditions have been conducive to good drying. Uh, the conditions, you know, again, they, they really didn't have the snow cover uh, that, that they typically would have. I know courses with, with a number of holes and tree covers. I was talking to the, uh, the head professional out of Kingswood earlier today, and he was indicating that some of the holes still have a reasonable amount of snow, those that are in cover within the trees. So everybody's in a different situation at this time of the year, but certainly when you start looking at the next few days, of the forecast. Uh, and the big key really is overnight lows that actually stay above zero. Uh, that really uh, transforms the ability for a golf course to melt, dry out, and, and start to remove the frost from the ground and, and get people out there a little bit earlier. Uh, dry might be the operative word, at least for the early going here, Kevin. As uh, we were visiting with David Phillips of Environment Canada yesterday, we've had uh, about 25 less uh, percentage of uh, 25% less rather precipitation uh, than normal since September. Th- that's got to cause issues uh, for your members. Well, it does. And, you know, Greg, when you take a look at the Winnipeg market last year, September, I believe, if I remember correctly, was the second driest on record. Um, and you combine that then with a, a very light snow cover over the winter months. Uh, there was a number of news stories I saw in Global last night talking about, uh, you know, the farmers and just the ground conditions and that. And, and whether farmers are dealing with, with dry land, golf courses are also dealing with dry land. And so those are some of the concerns, certainly, as you open up. Uh, what is your water table like and what are the conditions going to be like? But ultimately, with this unseasonable weather that we've been dealing with, it certainly afforded the golf courses an opportunity, uh, along with provincial health guidelines related to the pandemic, uh, that they can open and they can operate in a safe manner moving forward. And any word on whether or not riot golfers, if they want to use a power cart, will uh, be able to share a power cart with somebody or will they have to take an individual cart? You know what, we're actually, it's, it's ironic you ask, we're just in, in, in the working relationship with the provincial government to anticipate something very, very soon in relation to the guidelines. Uh, again, the public health orders that are issued uh, are very clear with respect to things like the retail guidelines for pro shops. Uh, food and beverage operations for restaurant and licensed premises guidelines uh, and the various pieces of the puzzle like that. And again, uh, some of the other physical distancing and some of the other sanitation requirements within the public health uh, orders are certainly elements that the golf courses are, are of course, going to maintain and, and ensure that they're in place. So we're waiting on a few more details to come from the provincial government, uh, and hopefully we can get complete messaging out to the golf industry very, very soon. Kevin, uh, Brett is the golf guy, and I was the restaurant guy for a long time. So when uh, patios were opening last weekend, I wondered, oh, boy, that's a lot of work. Uh, to go through to open a patio and then maybe have it shut down. The weather has mostly cooperated. The forecast is tremendous with regard to golf for the next few days. It's not necessarily, at least this point, terrific. Next week, is it worth it to go through all this effort to to get three or four days uh, worth of customers on the course? You know, I think, Greg, one of the things is each operation is going to make their own business decisions, and I think a lot of the operations looked at at 
how they did business last year and how they may have done business over the off season. Uh, and a lot of them shifted their business model to look at a lot of takeout or curbside pickup options. Uh, so certainly, I mean, from a food and beverage standpoint, yet the guidelines right now allow for six people on a patio outdoors. Um, combine that with the ability of people to be able to order food and take it away with them, uh, eat it when they get home. A number of golf courses have looked at that and operated in that manner over the last number of months, uh, and they found it to be a successful complement to those that choose to sit on the patio within the basic public health order and the weather that we're going to be dealing with over the next week or two. Now, Kevin, you run the Golf Expo. You had to cancel last year. You had to cancel this year. That's got to hurt. You know what it does? I think it's it's an event sort of that over the years has always signaled the start of the golf season is forthcoming. Um, you know, from a perspective of our golf courses in Manitoba, it gave them a great opportunity to market, uh, promote their golf facilities, connect with their golfers in advance of the season, uh, and get everybody excited. So regrettably, that's not the case again this year. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that a lot of the lessons we learned last year on, on how to do things differently within the golf industry, I think, can be applied again this year. Uh, a number of courses are, are constantly being creative and looking at new ways to be innovative, engage their golfers. So, again, I mean, you lose one element of it, you gain other opportunities, and I think a lot of the golf industry is looking to capture those opportunities again going into 2021 and have another exciting year in an area that, that certainly can make people feel safe when you're walking around 60 or 120 acres of outdoor green space enjoying the game of golf. Thanks for the insight and the enthusiasm, Kevin. We really appreciate it, and uh, uh, we appreciate you helping us get the word out for your members. Uh, golf season is upon us. We'll see how long it sticks around, and we'll, we'll catch up with you later on in the year. I look forward to it, gentlemen. Stay well, and uh, Brett, get on on the golf course. Trust me, you'll you'll be better this year. I know you will. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, because I played lots last year when I still suck, but I still yeah. love it, so nothing will stop me. Kevin O'Donovan, thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you, gentlemen. Kevin O'Donovan with National Golf Course Owners Association Canada and the Winnipeg Golf Expo joining us live on 680 CJOB. And Greg... I just, I got to show you something here. I, I saw you up yeah. to something on the camera there. What do you, what have you got there? I have, it turns out, uh, Denson Gabe may have been here as well to uh, offer some sort of birthday greetings to Phil Aubrey. Uh, but can you, I don't know if you can see this sign. Clear as, clear as a bell. Happy 75th anniversary. CJOB 68, 1946 to 2021, working for Winnipeg. From Gabe, he made us a sign. Oh man! So it's basically a giant birthday card. Yeah, from Dancing Gabe. And uh, if you ever receive a a birthday card or a Christmas card from Dancing Gabe, you know it is uh, something to cherish. Isn't that something else? Thank you to Gabe Langlois for this. And uh, congratulations one more time, Gabe, if you're listening right now on your honorary degree or degree from Red River College. Couldn't uh, go to a more deserving individual. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.